Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey guys, it's Morgan Zeggers. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Um, Today we're going to talk about a call to action that I have for you guys. I need your help on something. And then I've just seen this string of similar topics happening around health, around girlhood, womanhood, and tampons. And so we're going to We're going to take a little deep dive and evaluate what the heck is going on there and what I take out of that as important for us, not just political game talk, you know what I mean, that kind of goes viral, but instead uh, getting down to the root issues of some of this stuff that's what I believe is good versus evil and has to do with young women especially. So that being said, let's get on into it. Okay, before we get into it, MyPill is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever and just in time for Christmas for a limited time. Get the Giza Dream bed sheet sets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98, and rejuvenate your bed with the MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They have even more blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more, all with the biggest discounts of the year happening now. They're extending their money-back guarantee from Christmas to March 1st, 2023, making them the perfect gift for your friends, family, and everybody you know. So go to MyPillow.com, use promo code MORGAN, or go to 1-800-738-8374, and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheet sets for as low as $29.98, and get all your shipping done now while supplies last. Thank you, guys. All right, first topic of the day. We've got to talk about how I need your help on something. Me and my dad, we need your assistance. If you guys are unaware of the origin story of my little business, the workshop, Zegger's Freedom Flags. I started it when I was in college to pay off my student debt. I've donated a ton. We especially did the first year to a lot of veterans organizations, veterans fundraisers, to community things. And that's how we kind of got the word out. And I was just selling them in my community with my dad, trying to pay off the debt in that way as a college student. But then when I joined politics and started doing more media interviews and news hits, people were finding the website for that small business and they started ordering. So we sell across the country now and it's really grown, but it's just really a passion project hobby that my dad and I do together. And my mom is even in the workshop now helping us out. So we love to do it. And it's just super fun. We make wooden American flags, patriotic wooden signs. And now we also offer handcrafted leather goods, but those are made by Kenny at Golden Age Supply in Mississippi, and Kenny lost his job for not getting vaccinated. So when I found out that Kenny started his leather business because he got into that craft after losing his job in the music industry for not getting vaccinated and being told like, hey, listen, you can't be a part of this anymore, even though he had a really high up job in that way, in terms of like a really cool and successful career that he had been working and building. And he has a young family, beautiful wife. And so Needless to say, it frustrated the heck out of me and I wanted to support him. And now we offer a lot of cool leather goods that are made by him in his workshop, which is in Mississippi. Needless to say, we enjoy doing what we do. We are a veteran family. My dad's a colonel. He 
served in Operation Iraqi Freedom. He has cancer that's now directly linked to 9-11 because he was at the cleanup of it. And then that sparked it to get worse and now it spread. It's a horrible story. We're dealing with a lot. And we like to make our gosh darn flags, people. We like to make our flags in the workshop. But because we deal with these ridiculous Antifa people all the time that have always just found ways to try and bother me because they think that they're fighting the evil Nazi fascists when they go after someone like Morgan Zeggers, when in reality, I just want to talk to young girls about how titanium dioxide is in tampons and live on my little homestead and be free with a beautiful family. They feel that they are saving democracy by attacking me and my little family. So things happen all the time that are frustrating, like the fact that this drama major student from a college in upstate New York found our website, not our website, but Googled Zegger's Freedom Flags. And you know when like you Google a business and the little business section pops up? He reviewed us on Google. Now, has this guy ever bought a flag from Zegger's Freedom Flags? <laughs> Do you think he likes any of our products? Absolutely not. But he left us a bad review. And now we have a three-star review on Google because I've never even thought to ask for reviews on Google because it's just kind of, you know, our side thing that we do. But basically, my dad and I are now on a war path. We need to fix this, okay? We need to righteously fight for our lives in this situation, and we need to raise up an army. <laughs> and I'm laughing as I say this because it's been, you know, the talk of the workshop the last two days. But basically, my dad found out who this guy was, messaged him back and said, hey, can I ask why you gave us the lowest rating on a Google review when you've never bought our flag before? And he replied back and he said, well, your family and your business and your daughter stand for things that are destroying this country, taking away the human rights of people across the world and hurting others and threatening others. And I need to hold you accountable and make it hurt financially for you and your family. <laughs> because I, you know, he's standing up for the democracy that's apparently dying just because people like me and my dad and everybody else that supports Seger's freedom flags and everybody that listens to this, we just care about individual freedom. And apparently that's threatening to people. Do you see how this is frustrating? So he sent this whole long, lengthy paragraph to my dad about how he's really holding us accountable by giving us this one star. And let's just say my dad and I, we want to fix this thing. And so I was like, dad, let me see what I could do. Because <laughs> this is obviously not a high priority problem in the world. But if you guys have a second, I'm asking you to do me and my dad a favor and my mom. Google Zegger's Freedom Flags in the search bar. Click on the side, like it'll pop up as Zegger's Freedom Flags a business, give us a review, a five-star review, and say this is the best darn flag <laughs> you have ever seen in your entire lives, made by the best dang veteran in the country. And of course, his super cute daughter. Say something nice, okay? Because this is war. We are coming after this guy in Google reviews, and we're going to demolish it. Help me get Zegger's Freedom Flags out of the three-star rut, okay? Thank you very much. That's my rant. And all I'm going to say is that it's very sad that these people sometimes think that they are having some positive grand impact when in reality they're just being mean, they're just being hurtful, they're just being rude, okay? It's completely unnecessary. You are not accomplishing anything. And 
In fact, it gave us a chuckle, but we also want to fix it. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Okay, so moving on. uh, What I really want to focus on this episode is that what I see as a general attack of gender roles and of girlhood, womanhood, and why it's so important to speak out on these things and protect these things. Um, One story that caught my attention in addition to what we've been seeing over the last few weeks of like all these trans male identifying as woman influencers being paid by tampon companies to promote tampons in what I see as a pretty rude way. That is obviously going around, but something else came up this week and it was that American Girl, a really big company that a lot of girls for many generations in America have looked up to and enjoyed and wanted to pass down to their daughters. They're now talking about how it's okay for children as young as three in their books to hear about the concept of puberty blockers and changing your gender, being born in the wrong body. So I'm looking at this post. Robbie Starbuck put it together. It's from the Daily Mail. So the headline in the article in the Daily Mail by Alex Hammer, it says the American girl is accused of stripping away all innocence in a book that teaches children as young as three how to change gender by asking doctors for puberty blockers. And then there's some screenshots of what this book that is marketed to girls as young as three and then up to 12 years old, apparently. This is what the book says. Messages about how bodies should look are different depending on a person's gender. Girls tend to face more pressure to have thin bodies and long hair and wear clothes like skirts, dresses, and blouses. Boys tend to feel more pressure to have a muscular body, keep their hair short, and wear pants and shorts. Luckily, it's not your job to look the way people expect. It's your job to be you. Now, this might be extreme, you guys, but I would go as far as to say that I think it's wrong to have abandoned these very basic concepts. I think it was wrong to tell women that, like, you know what? You're no different than a man and you have no difference in how you're going to primally and naturally want to express yourself. I see so many trends online that talk about how women actually feel so much better about themselves when they dressed more modest, when they are dressed more femininely, when they're dressed up, even in skirts or in dresses. And they can really embrace their natural beauty, their natural shape, and their more feminine ways because of that. And so I know we don't talk about it much, but I really do wonder, perhaps there's something damaging about bringing women away from their natural tendencies and telling them that they're going to feel more empowered. That's not just with hookup culture. That's not just with a lot of the things that the left sells us these days. What if it's something as simple too as being like, oh no, it, it's it's bad for society to encourage women to to feel like they should have long hair and wear dresses and stuff. Why do we have to stigmatize a woman embracing her natural ways? Maybe she just wants to be naturally herself and more feminine. Maybe she just wants longer hair because that's fun and it's beautiful and it makes her feel pretty. Maybe she enjoys wearing skirts and dresses. We go so far to the extreme that we discourage the natural way just to embrace the maybes, just to embrace the exceptions, just because sometimes girls are going to say, you know what, maybe I want to wear pants or cut my hair short. It doesn't mean we should abandon the fact that there's natural trends that would bring us closer to longer hair or more feminine looks, more feminine clothing. Something is really weird about that. I wish I knew more about the science on that one. But I just, you know, maybe you're saying, Morgan, you're super extreme right now. So it continues on. It says, the way you show your gender to the world through clothes and behaviors is your gender expression. Your gender expression can be feminine, 
masculine, or somewhere in between. And it might change. Maybe you'll experiment with bright dresses and long feminine hairstyles, or you might try baggy shorts, plaid shirts, and a buzzed haircut. Your gender expression should make you feel at home in your body. Now, here's the really frustrating thing for me. We're teaching these young girls and young boys that changing your appearance will change your gender expression, which will change your gender, which will change your sex. And here's the thing about the transgender movement that really bothers me. There's so many things of it. But if they truly believe that gender and sex are different, why are they saying just because you want to change your gender or your gender expression, now you should have surgery that changes your body and changes your sex? Because they're they're declaring that they want to be able to change their sex now on official government forms, that they want to change their sex from female to male or male to female. That's not changing your gender expression. So in the early phases of wokeness, we noticed that they used to say, you know what, women should be able, girls should be able to wear NASA t-shirts and shirts with dinosaurs on them and sports clothes and all these things. And it's not fair that they're only given princess dresses and all that stuff. They should be able to do that. They should be able to have short hair. Well, now if a girl says, I want short hair, mommy, or now I want to wear shorts, mommy, and not a dress. Now they're being taught, oh, hey, you might actually be gender expressing as a boy. She might actually be a gendered boy. Actually, she might need to change her sex over time before she's even 18 years old to be a male as her sex. That's where this just isn't adding up. And I'm only talking to you guys about this because I care about the health and safety of the children. We're seeing some really disturbing stuff where this is normalized. And I truly believe the more people like you and me that understand this, that see the woke craziness going on and communicate how asinine it is in a respectful and loving way, we're going to be able to save a lot of families that might fall victim to this and fall victim to big pharma and these companies and these institutions that are pushing this onto our kids and saying parents are hateful for rejecting it. Okay, moving on though. This book then says, being transgender is not an illness or something to be ashamed of. If you're questioning your gender identity, or if you already know for sure that you're trans or binary, talk with an adult you trust, like a parent or school counselor. That person can connect you with a specially trained doctor who can help you and your family decide what's best for your body. At first, you and the doctor might talk about wearing the clothes and using the pronouns like he, she, or they that make you feel most like the true you. If you haven't gone through puberty yet, the doctor might offer medicine to delay your body's changes, giving you more time to think about your gender identity. And if you've already gone through puberty, a doctor can still help. Studies show that transgender and non-binary kids who get help from their doctors have much better mental health than those who don't. If you don't have an adult you trust, there are organizations across the country that can help you. Turn to the resources on page 95 for more information. So you guys, again, this is a book for 3- to 12-year-old girls from American Girl, The Doll Company, telling and normalizing the concept that, hey, if you don't feel comfortable as your body's growing before you even reach puberty, then we can get you connected to a doctor who will help you change not just your pronouns, not just talk you through how you feel, but they can get you puberty blockers. There's a thing called puberty blockers. And I'm going to show you in a second, you guys, a video of a doctor or a person from an organization in the LGBTQ community explaining that they know that kids who go through this before they go through puberty, they go through puberty blockers, it means that they're probably going to be infertile. Most likely will not be able to have children in the future. And I feel so passionate about this because I cannot stand the thought 
of well-intentioned parents who are scared about a suicide in the family because their child is is falling for gender identity information that they're getting from other sources, from school, from these books, from social media, and they're saying, I, I think I need to kill myself unless I'm allowed to change my gender. You have all the institutions telling parents to say, okay, we'll go for it. Without even understanding the innocence of a child's mind, the undeveloped mind that it is, the inability for kids to make long-term decisions, we should never, ever consent to a child being able to make changes to their body with the help of adults that could make them infertile in the future. I mean, really, do you guys even remember what you were thinking about before puberty? I can't even rem- I have a very bad memory, so maybe I'm alone on this. I cannot remember anything. I remember uh, soccer, recreation soccer games. I remember fishing in the backyard. I remember memories of, of holidays. I have a very limited childhood memory. But I would be horrified if now as an adult, even I had a tomboy phase, right? I would be horrified to now look at the, the adults that were in my life back then as the adult, adult that I am now and be like, wow, they allowed me as a kid to become infertile, to take away my ability to have children one day. Because as a child, I told them I was uncomfortable in my body after reading a book about how it's totally normal to do this and go through this process. I really can't wrap my head around it. And this idea of normalizing for young girls the concept of puberty blockers, again, scares the bejeebus out of me and makes me feel like this is not a political issue. This is good versus evil. I'm going to play you guys a video that just truly horrified me of an expert in the field explaining that this will lead to infertility in children. I saw this from Marissa Stray. I just want to give some credit. She had tweeted, and she's the CEO of Prager University. She tweeted and said, so will the American Academy of Pediatrics stop telling parents that it's best practice to provide puberty blockers and to castrate gender-confused children now that they finally realize the irreversible damage that they have been recommending? Because she links to a video of a presentation where Catherine Lowe, the executive member of American Academy of Pediatrics, LGBTQ Health and Wellness Committee. She's the executive member of this committee for American Academy of Pediatrics. She's giving a presentation, and the presentation says gender-affirming hormone therapy, GAH, life-saving treatment, multidisciplinary individualized care, clearly explain expectations, infertility concerns, and appropriate sex ed. And her quote, I'll play it in one second, is, quote, for kids who go on a blocker, then they add in gender-affirming hormone therapy, the kids will probably be infertile. Um, the big thing is here that infertility concerns with um, starting gender-affirming hormone therapy. So for kids who go on a blocker at Tanner stage two, and then they add in gender-affirming hormone therapy, um, There isn't a lot of research about this out there, but what we do know is these kids probably will be infertile. Um, So it's really crucial to have multiple conversations with the family about that and to talk about options around that, to talk about different ways people can have kids um, aside from biological kids, um, to talk about possible ways. There's some early research being done on sperm and egg banking um, prior to going on gender-affirming hormone therapy. 
So to, to talk about that, and I think this is one of the trickiest parts about gender affirming hormone therapy is talking with these youth and their families about infertility concerns, um, but obviously incredibly important to do. Um, lastly, it's really important to talk about appropriate sex ed. So many things are running through my mind right now. One of them is Yellowstone, if you guys are watching. Yellowstone, sorry for spoilers. You should know this by now if you watch the show. But Beth gets pregnant. Beth is brought by her brother to a Native American reservations pregnancy clinic or abortion clinic. On the Native American reservations, you have to get sterilized if you get an abortion. The brother tells the woman that it's okay for them to sterilize Beth, his sister, if she can get the abortion. Beth does not know, and she's a teenager, and she goes through it, and now Beth is 30-something in the show and still facing so much trauma and so much hatred for her brother, first of all, but so much trauma from the inability to conceive now. She's now never able to have a child, and it is her characteristic that drives her narrative in the show. I know that's just a TV show, but watching that is a really hard thing, even for me, because I just, you know, I'm so excited for that phase of life, and it's kind of hard to think about because it's like, you never know what could happen or what could happen to me. You never know. It's a blessing to get pregnant, so I hope that I'm blessed with that one day. But it's a very sensitive subject. And kids, teenagers, girls in their early 20s, they are not able to even comprehend the drive and desire that they will have as they enter, you know, the baby making phase and the more nurturing mothering phase where they just like, it kind of just snaps. And all of a sudden they're like, they look at a baby and they're like, whoa, how do I find a husband? And how do I get to have this be my life? You know, they thought that they wanted to do the boss babe thing. They listen to all the pop culture, they listen to everything. And all of a sudden it snaps in their mind of like, this is not what matters. I want a family. Your mind just doesn't even get there yet until a certain age. And I'm kind of horrified that we're listening to a video like that of adults talking about how children, kids, are having these decisions made for them. Because isn't a really important thing for the left consent? Aren't they all about consent? So I'm concerned if they don't see how a child can't consent to this because of the innocence in their mind, the inability for them to make adult decisions like this, what else are they going to say? We're normalizing pedophilia lately, and it scares the crap out of me that these adults are talking about children as if they are capable of making a decision of if they should castrate themselves, make themselves infertile. Because they're what capable of making that big adult decision. So how do you draw the line of where consent and the ability for a child to consent is? Do you draw the line with, oh, well, they can totally consent with having sex with an adult because they know they're responsible. We're woke now and we believe children are able to do this kind of stuff. And if you don't, you're a bigot. So they can consent to agree to never have children for the rest of their lives but they can't consent to have sex with adults. When does that line start to get erased or has it already begun to get erased? It's evil to me. It's evil. So you're having the adults in this video again. Think back to how they said that. So the tricky part is 
the tricky part is the infertility thing, right? <laughs> like, how can these adults sit there and really be like, the tricky thing is like, yeah, these these kids are having adults make this decision for them and they're going to have to come to grips to one day they're not going to be able to have their own line be extended in their family. They aren't going to be able to procreate. They aren't going to be able to experience the greatest joy on earth, which is to have another child, to raise one up, a mini you, to meet a person and build a family. And they're talking about like, well, we could maybe talk about freezing the eggs of these kids and then they could maybe get a surrogate or something and they technically could adopt. So let's just make sure that they are aware of all their options and that there's technically ways they can have kids. Listen, I'm sick of hearing all the justifications. Well, they could freeze their eggs. They could get a surrogate. They could adopt. There's other ways to build a family. What you're doing as adults is saying you are consenting on behalf of the kid for that child to never be able to have kids one day themselves. And it's sickening. Sickening. Let's move on. Okay, speaking of good versus evil, I, I've been seeing these videos all over. And I always look at stuff and I go, should I talk about it? Should I not? Is there a greater lesson in this general topic, in this general field, in this general trending or viral video that I can extract from it and talk about with the people on my show? Because we're trying to be solutions oriented. We're trying to talk about the the meaningful things, right? And so I don't want to just give you guys the funny viral quick reactions and responses that to be honest, I think are kind of cheap takes because anybody could say it. It doesn't move the needle whatsoever, and it doesn't bring us anywhere near a more good or wholesome world. And so I really tried to kind of avoid this more silly stuff. But the more that I see this, the more I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start doing my research on it and accumulate these videos, and we're going to talk about it. And it has to do with what we were talking about in the earlier parts of this episode. But it's these trans people biological men that are now identifying as women that are playing around with things like tampons. I don't want to, I'm not trying to make fun of them. I'm not trying to laugh at the situation. I'm not trying to belittle any humans. I think it's really important that we don't do that. And there's a fine line, right? I also have a lot of care for the fact that transgender people are so, so prone to suicide. It really breaks my heart. And so how do we compassionately work with these people and everybody else in the conversation without alienating anybody, but also protecting our innocent and protecting girlhood, protecting womanhood and the good and wholesome things in this world? All right. It's a complicated thing. I want to start with what really made me want to do this video. It was a video of Dylan Mulvaney, who's the person who does the like day one, day two, day three of being a girl. and he started being a girl like in the last year and does a little video every day. And his videos get criticized for being kind of mocking towards women because his first video was like, day one of being a girl, I already cried about something that I didn't even need to cry about. I texted a boy that I kind of like, but didn't like, and now, blah, blah, blah. and then I spent too much money. And then I bought a bunch of clothes and he just is going on of like the classic stereotypes of of a woman, but is definitely not in a very respectful way, right? It's kind of the more insulting ones. So Dylan got in hot water because he posted a video of him explaining that he carries around tampons and he opens it up and I'll, I'll play the video for you in a second, but he opens it up and he's like, I carry these around and I don't even know how to use this. Where does it even go? Yada, yada. But he got criticized and then he posted this video that I want to play first because it was kind of gaslighty. 
but let's watch the apology explanatory video first. Day 271 of being a girl, or I'll say woman for this one, because this video is for the women on Twitter who just really don't like me. Hello, ladies. We got a lot to cover, but let's first talk tampons. I haven't talked about tampons on here lately because I don't use them. I'm a woman who doesn't have a uterus. I know this. And science was my strongest subject in high school. I was also shockingly good at math, but I digress. I just sometimes carry one in case anybody needs it. And that seems to have just set the world on fire in some pretty nasty ways. And this is a conversation that's been going on for months. I just haven't chimed in because I'm so tired of sticking up for myself over something that was so pure intentioned. But now Twitter is just ablaze. And this week, there's some women that are now coming for Tampax. And I wanted to clear the air. So I have some amazing news. Are you ready? I have never worked with Tampax before. The most that happened was they sent me a few boxes of tampons back in April, just in case I bumped into anyone, um, including yourselves, and I gave them all away. I've got a few left, and this one's really going to blow your mind. I have never made one dollar off of feminine hygiene products. So I hope that helps you sleep better at night knowing that, and no need to bring Tampax into this, but the bigger problem at hand is that you feel me carrying a tampon around is a threat to you and your womanhood. How is someone doing something nice so repulsive to you? Because listen to this, if a man, whether he was your boyfriend or your husband, could even be your gay best friend, kept a tampon for you at his house just in case you needed it, you'd gush over him. You would run to brunch on Sunday and tell all your gal pals that he's so thoughtful and he cares and he listens. And then a trans woman does it, and all of a sudden, I'm the reason that there's a tampon shortage. You know, it's, it's not because I'm misogynistic. It's because you're transphobic. You know, we got to work through this. And, and babe, caring for others, it's the bare minimum. You know, you might not like me, but I care about you. I care about your feelings. I care about your opinion of me, which I'm really trying to get over. Okay, so there's that, where he's just explaining... Hey, I'm getting a lot of feedback. I'm getting a lot of pushback on this. People are mad. They think I was making fun of women, all this stuff. But I was just saying that I carry tampons for girls in my purse. So it seems like, oh, okay, he's just trying to clarify. But you guys, let's be real here. Let's take a look at the original video that he was getting criticized for. And we're going to walk through why women, biological women, who have to go through this stuff, why we were frustrated by it, and why he got criticized for the content. Here is the video. 75 of being a girl, and I've been carrying around tampons and pads for the past two months, but I've actually never opened one up. So let's do it. Woohoo! I thought the letters stood for small, medium, and large based on the size of your Barbie pouch. But after a Google, I found out it's actually the level of your flow. So they're super, regular, and light. I guess my question is, which one do I carry around? The super? Because maybe if you have a light flow, you can still use a super? I don't know. Here goes nothing. It's pink, it's kind of adorable, and it kind of looks like a butter churn. <laughs> so you just go like that? Ow. Where does the string go? You are getting sleepy. Now for the real magic, I've got a glass of water in the tampon. I almost put red food coloring in there, but I thought that might be too much. And we're gonna see how this works. Oh, it kind of looks like a butterfly. How long does it take to get to this? 
one looks like it would do the job. I feel like I'm in science class. Oh no. Okay, the pad didn't expand, so maybe this is for a light flow? I just don't know. Now that I think about it, I probably should have had a woman come teach me about these things. I was on the boys side of sex ed and now I would like to take the girls class. Uh, but if you're on your period right now, I'm sending you love. Bye. Love ya. Okay, um, so there's a few things that we can see from that. It's not really ideal to hear biological man talking about something like a tampon like this, using it to make content, trendy content for social media. So right off the bat, he says that he thinks what is labeled as the flow heaviness is actually based on the size of our Barbie pouch. If he understood what a period was in a respectful way, he would know that our uterus literally sheds the entire inner lining of tissue and blood every month because it prepares for a baby. And then if there's not a fertilized egg, if there isn't a baby inside of us, then it says, oh, got to try again next month. And then what do you know? We have our period and that all comes out. So yes, that's how that happens. That's the science of that. So that's hit number one. The next one he goes and he takes it out of the packaging and he pushes it up and down and says, oh, it's like a butter churn. So then he starts playing with it like a butter churn. And then he pushes it out. And what does he say? He says, ow, while looking at a two inch piece of cotton that does not cause pain. So that is the first really frustrating thing for me because you guys, there's a lot of stigma around periods and young girls getting periods. When they're young, they get freaked out by the whole concept, right? It's a little freaky. It's a little scary. If you're a young girl going through puberty, it's very intimidating. There's a lot of rhetoric that's anti-period, that's anti-girls going through this kind of stuff. There's not a lot of information out there and it's taboo to talk about. That's why I'm willing to talk about this because I know that men listen to this too. I hope you guys are listening because you have women in your lives and you need to respect this stuff too. We're all trying to procreate here. This is a big part of the procreation process. This is romantic, right? <laughs> this is romantic to care about and it's supportive of not just your wife, but your daughters, okay? We all need to care about this stuff. It's precious. It's vital. It's sacred. Okay, I'll stop. So back to this thing though. Listen, it's not painful. And young girls are already scared enough about periods, about the cramps, about all the feelings that are going on, all the experiences of it. It's not painful and you're freaking little girls out, okay? They watch you. You have millions of followers, Dylan. It's not okay to do that kind of stuff. The next one, where's the string go? Dylan. So this is why it's like, it's like he's setting us up to be able to make the cheap shots at him. So I don't want to say that, but it's like, listen, you don't use them. If you don't know what the basic process is, maybe you should learn before you make the content. On top of that, I don't like when they do this and they try and mimic being a girl by playing dumb. I personally, if you guys haven't noticed this, I don't think it's attractive for a woman to be dumb. I don't think it's attractive to play stupid. I don't even think men like that. I think a man wants a competent person and doesn't find it entertaining when a woman doesn't know how to drive or doesn't know how to make basic decisions for herself or take care of herself or cook or have basic skills. It's not attractive or funny. And I think most women know that because we are actively engaged in the society that we're in right now and we're able to see, oh wait, it doesn't really work to play dumb. Men want an asset. So bringing that in, it's like when we see men trying to cosplay being a woman and they think the answer to that is to 
play dumb and to say silly things like, "Uh where does it even go? Where does the string even go? It's just another layer of like a slap in the face. Then, of course, he swings it around by the string in a hypnotizing way, saying that he's hypnotizing us. But at the end, he really, you know, hits the nail on the head and he says he should have had a woman come explain these things. Because you know what? Gee, what a thought. What a concept. Instead of dipping the tampon in water and playing with it like a water toy and then taking a thin panty liner, because he doesn't know what that is. I'm sorry, guys, if you don't know what this is. He takes a thin panty liner and he starts dipping it into a cup of water and then acts shocked at the end of the video that it didn't expand. Maybe if he had consulted with a woman, he would have understood the natural, normal process and the stigma and fears that women have to go through when they're first getting it. And considering so many young girls follow him, unfortunately, he would have realized that he's probably not doing a very good thing right now talking about periods in such a way. So that's the big problem that I have. He was a boy, right? And so I get that he doesn't know this stuff. But that's why I wanted to talk to you guys about it, because I actually have this theory that we need to have better sex ed. I'm not talking about groomer material. I'm not talking about teaching three-year-olds or kindergartners or anybody in K through 12, whatever, that it's okay to change your gender, that it's normal to do so, that you could be any of the 72 genders that they've created so far, that you can change your sex with puberty blockers and surgery. That's not actual sex education. What if we, as a society, decided to do something else with teaching children about this kind of stuff? What if we didn't have planned parenthood come in like I know people experience and I experience because they work with blue states, public schools in blue states. They have planned parenthood come into high school classes, middle school classes even, and explain different ways of sex protection. That is sex ed in the modern era to work with planned parenthood. Planned Parenthood tells unmarried teenagers that it's totally good and normal to participate in having sex. Just do it in a way that won't create a baby. And then if you get pregnant, we are right down the road. Come to us. If your mom doesn't want you to get on hormonal birth control because maybe she's aware of the fact that it completely alters your hormonal system in your body and is a toxin. Oh, just come to us. We will work with you, teenage girls. Boys, if you find out that the girl you're hooking up with is pregnant, if your girlfriend's pregnant in high school, no worries. Don't let her tell you that it's too hard to do this. Just You guys can just come on down the road to Planned Parenthood, and we will abort your child. You see, like, why is that sex ed? I personally think it would be really beneficial, and this is just one example, what if we educated our kids about bodies in a way that allowed them to feel empowered about the hormones that are released when you engage in hookup culture, when you engage in sex, how precious and special that experience really should be. What if we taught them about the fact that you can only get pregnant a certain number of days and so it's easy if you are trying to avoid that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that you should be doing that in high school, but people need to know, especially I even know married couples that are on hormonal birth control. People should know that you can naturally track that and be much healthier and happier instead of taking a toxin every single day of your life that is actually potentially causing infertility or at least causing you other body problems. You should not be on birth control pills, okay? Most people should not be on them, but they take them for things as simple as cramps or acne or other period symptoms or just because, hey, I don't want to get pregnant. 
there's a lot of stuff that I think our society would benefit from if we just knew about the basic science. One of those things is what if guys were seeing it with Dylan? He was a boy, now identifies as a, a girl, and d- clearly doesn't know how to use a tampon. This is what set me off. What if we, in our sex ed class, in our health classes, or at home, I personally think this should be done at home, but I get it, not everybody is aware of this kind of stuff and even cares. What if boys and girls were taught about this kind of stuff and were aware of what is inside of these things? Because guess what? Tampax and these tampon companies are getting a lot of pushback right now for working with Dylan Mulvaney and the other guy, Grant Sykes, I think is his name, who both are trans guys that played with tampons. They're both holding tampons that have titanium dioxide in them, a carcinogen, a carcinogen in a product that women put in their bodies once a month, multiple times that month, their entire life while they have their periods. If our boys and girls were educated on these important things, I think it would be really nice because then we would have some more aware men and women in the family. And I think it's valuable for men to also stand up for this. But imagine a father being like, listen, no one in my household is going to put themselves on hormonal birth control and destroy their hormonal system, their reproductive system, all because they got some cramps or some acne and their doctor told them this was the only thing to fix it. I think that would be really, really cool if people were more aware of how their body worked, especially these kind of important generational procreation focused things. It's a little weird. You know, you're probably like Morgan is off the deep end at this point, but you guys, I care about it. And I just had this thought, you know, it's like people are so stuck in this concept of, oh, Dylan Mulvaney didn't know where a tampon goes. It's like, well, maybe that's a problem. Maybe the fact that boys and girls don't know much about their bodies is a bigger societal problem than we got because now we're getting poisoned with our tampons. Ladies, if you look at your tampon box and it says organic, it's not safe. It doesn't mean it's just safe all of a sudden. You need to look at the ingredients. If it says titanium dioxide in it, even if it says it's just to whiten the tampon because that's what they usually say. That's what Tampax says. It just makes it look whiter. I don't care. It's a carcinogen. Get it out of your bathroom cabinet. All right. That being said, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to my random rant about this tampon stuff. It's getting me all frustrated. Go to Google. Type in Zegger's Freedom Flags. Give me a five-star review on the business. Do it for my dad. I appreciate it. Thank you guys.